0: Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for having me here this morning. You know, I try and seek the Lord if there's words from the Lord or uh, different ways the Lord will speak. Last week, where I was somewhere, I felt like the Lord said, Hey, I want to heal left ear. So I asked, anybody have a left ear issue? And four people stood up, uh, five people stood up, and we prayed and four of those people felt the Lord do something in their left ear that morning right then. That's the God we serve. So I'm sitting over here this morning, Lord, anything you wanna say, anything you wanna do, and the first thing I hear the Lord saying is, hey, there's some discouraged people out there. And then you spoke to that, Pastor Sam, you prayed that. And the next thing I felt like was, there's some people that aren't feeling well that are sick that are out there that we should pray for, and you prayed for that. Where it's like, right, we were praying for people that are out there and the young girl in ICU, and and we're all praying for that. To me, that doesn't necessarily mean I need to go over that same path. It's just confirmation that when the Holy Spirit speaks, we need to follow. And God works everywhere. He made the hills, right? He made the sandy river. He made the trees. He made all this. So he doesn't just move in church. In fact, I think... When we gather like this, I believe God's hope is to equip us so that when we're out there doing our normal stuff Joe's Donuts, (laughs) Niners Philadelphia game today oh, did I say that? Um, All the things we do in our families, where we're at, that we take the presence of God to those situations and we're listening Lord, what do you want to do? Who do you want me to touch? Who can I encourage? How can I pray? And we're just his folks wherever we go. Is that true? Yeah, so we don't go to church to be the church. We go to church to get equipped to be the church out there. And when uh, Pastor Sam called me and said, hey, we're, we're doing this series, and can you start this series for us? I'm like, wow, that's the ultimate thing. That's like cutting the turkey when a guest is invited to Thanksgiving. No, here's the knife. Why don't you cut? So thank you for that privilege. If you have your Bibles, can you turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 1? And this is a six-week series on Proverbs. Thank you for letting me have the opening shot at this whole thing. My church, Freedom Foursquare, sends their greetings. Pastor Dave, a lot of you know Pastor Dave, Paulie, and Kelly. They send your greetings. They're praying for us this morning, too. The book of Proverbs. Interesting book. Interesting where it sits right in the middle of the Bible, just a little bit to the right of Psalms. It's right there in the middle. Interesting that it has how many chapters in Proverbs? 31. 31. It's interesting to me. Uh, The definition of Proverbs is a short, pithy saying in general use, stating a general truth or piece of advice. So Solomon, who wrote this, the Son of David, Solomon, uh, arguably the most powerful Israeli king of all time, the kingdom of Israel went farthest north, farthest east, farthest south under Solomon's leadership. But he was this amazing guy that uh, wrote Book of Proverbs, wrote Song of Solomon, wrote Ecclesiastes, part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament along with Psalms and Job, and he had amazing insights. Some of it because God just gave him an amazing gift of wisdom, and some of it because he did things that he's like, I won't do that again. That wasn't a good idea. Boy, people should learn from this in my own life. I think for some of us, what we sometimes, at least I know I do, find difficult in Christianity is I read something in the Bible that God sets as a standard for my life. And I'm like, okay, that's the standard. But I don't always measure up to that. Anybody like that? You read something and you're like, God, I blew it again. Or I was supposed to keep my tongue, but I didn't. Or I was supposed to honor the Lord here financially. I made other decisions that weren't wise. God knows that we're his kids. And just like those of us that have kids, Pastor Sam, and grandkids, we don't expect them to get it all instantly, do we? In fact, at some level, it's kind of fun to be able to say, hey, this is, this is how you do that. This is how you pull your pants up. This is, no, that shoe, see, that shoe's kind of, it goes the other way. Doesn't that feel funny? It does, because that's for your other foot, let me show you how to, oh, that feels better. And God does the same thing with us. When we're blowing it relationally or financially or priorities of our time or we do something like that, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have got that better. The Lord's so gracious and tender and compassionate. He just continues to work with us. I want you to do this. I'd like you to do it this way. Thanks for coming back to me. Let's do this again together. That's why we have forgiveness That's why we have the ability for the Lord to wash us. So Proverbs is full of these pithy, wonderful, and in God's economy, eternal statements that then, I think, try and keep us on the straight path of what God wants us to do, the way of the Lord. In this first part of Proverbs chapter 1, he gives the purpose of what the book is all about, and I'll read that to you. NIV, we're reading. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And then he gives these fours here. Four, attaining wisdom and discipline. Four, understanding words of insight. Four, acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. For doing what's right and just. Boy, there's a lot that's been said about that. In our nation, here it is for doing what's right and just and fair. For giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So here's maybe um, a summary statement that I tried to put together from those fours that were there. To summarize, Proverbs exist to help people gain wisdom, which we might also call understanding, insight, discretion to live a disciplined or a prudent life. The fear of the Lord is the key to that. Let me shorten that up a little bit. Why does Proverbs exist? Proverbs exist to help people gain wisdom, to live a disciplined life. The fear of the Lord is the key to this. And I will tell you that's true. When I step off the path and I'm thinking, God, what are you thinking about that? It's the fear of the Lord that brings me back to a wise place with God where he's trying to speak into my life to live a disciplined life that, Brad, you said it earlier, that glorifies God. I think that's what God wants. God's not looking for perfection. He got that in Jesus. God's looking for a pursuit that I continue to get back on the path with the wisdom he provides to live a disciplined and honorable life to the Lord. Individual Bible chapter divisions started about the ninth century. About the 13th century, they were beginning to get really formed because a Bible concordance was being prepared. Isn't that amazing? Remember your first strong strong concordance or... NIV concordance or something like that where you could find all of it. Many study Bibles on the back, they have concordances where you can look up uh, joy and you can find that or peace and you can find that. So 13th century, they were working on this concordance and they begin to really kind of formalize the chapters and even begin to get the verses that were happening at that point. So I'm thinking about that because... When Proverbs was originally written, the Hebrew that was used there, they had little markers that would kind of show you where the end of the statement was or kind of show you where the end of that paragraph kind of idea was. So th- 13th century, you get these 31 chapters. To me, that's interesting because there's 31 days. And next month, we get to read three Proverbs on the last day of the month, right? 28, 29, 30, 31. 31. But I find it interesting that what I face many times when I open the Bible, it's dealing with my stuff right then, right now. In fact, I think the devil took that idea and turned it into a horoscope so people get roped into dark spiritual things thinking, oh, if I only get my horoscope read, or someone reads my palms, or someone does this dark magic, they're going to tell me what really needs to go on. I think he stole that from us being in the Bible daily. Can I get a witness on that? And Proverb is so true about that. At the end of Proverbs, and this isn't in your notes, but at the end of Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34, says, blessed is the man or woman who listens to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. This is Proverbs 8, 34, 35. For whoever finds me, and this is wisdom speaking, finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Proverbs 8, 34, 35. Blessed is the man or woman who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my way, For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. That's true of the entire word of God, but Solomon pops it right down there, kind of in the middle of Proverbs. When I wait daily for God, I don't think God's enamored with the fact that we check boxes, I did it again, or I read for this amount of time, or I prayed for this amount of of time. I think God responds to desperation. How about you? I think God responds to dependence. I don't think he responds to religious traditions. I think God responds to faith. And I've learned that from the standpoint of when I pray those prayers, and I don't know how long they go on, but I'm like, Lord, if you don't come through, I'm in trouble here. Anybody get that? Lord, if you don't heal that little girl in the ICU, we don't have any other hope on that one. My wife comes to me last night, man, I've got this pain going on on my cheek. I'm, I'm really kind of concerned. It kind of maybe it's concerned. Maybe it's with this tooth down here or something. And I'm like, okay, let's pray right before we go to bed and lay my hands on her. And then we get up in the morning and I'm like, How, how's, that, how's that thing going there? And she's like, oh that's better. That's better. You know, it wasn't that I logged some kind of prayer or some kind of time to kind of earn God's blessing. I think this is why new believers do so much for God because they're like, oh, this thing works. It's good. This is good. It works. It's all good. Let's do this like all the time. I think that's the kind of thing God's looking for from us is that kind of ability to just kind of throw it out there, look above the waves, and trust God that God would do stuff in our lives. So you've got this down through the ages. Uh, Solomon had, had written this hundreds of years before Christ came. And then he, I believe, those things are passed down verbally, generation to generation certainly there were scrolls but you didn't have a cell phone back there that had that scroll writing on it you went to the synagogue you heard this thing when it was rolled out and it was spoken but primarily these pithy statements were transferred friend to friend father mom to kids to grandkids don't you think and so it was out there but not like it is now So I thought, you know, Proverbs is is full of promises, it's full of pithy statements, it's full of wisdom statements that we all have our favorites, I think. What's, Bro, what's your favorite proverb that you quoted to me this morning? That's right. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with... And lean not on your own understanding in all your, and, yeah, a lot of us know that. And that's a a really great promise. So think about this. I'm thinking about the three Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel. And you can take a look at that at some point, Daniel 3. But there's this king that says to these boys that have been carried off from Israel and taught the language of the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar wants these sharp individuals to be there to help govern and to be kind of integrated in terms of different nations that he's overseeing so they can help him with those nations govern this thing. So he gets this crazy idea, and I know where it came from, but he gets this crazy idea that he's going to put up this 90-foot gold statue nine feet wide, and they're going to play all these instruments, and then everybody has to do what? They have to bow down. The enemy's still trying to do that stuff around the world. Do you notice it? He's still trying to do this stuff of you need to bow down at this philosophy. You need to bow down at, at this kind of financial Uh, way you think of it. You need to bow down at this way we think when life starts. You, You need to bow down at how you call marriage and how you call people normal. He's still doing that stuff. And if you and I at points don't submit to that, stuff happens. So there's this one, but what happens in this situation is if you don't bow down and worship, what happens? You're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. That's right. True story. So they're faced with this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so the guys find out that they're not bowing down to this idol. And it gets back to the king. He says, okay, maybe you didn't get it right, but here's the deal. This is a decision I've made. Everybody needs to bow down to this Statue, this idol, and if you don't, I'm putting you in there. Listen to what they say. Daniel 3. King, we don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods. One translation says, we're never going to serve your gods. Our worship, and my translation says, the stupid image of gold you've set up. But NIV says, the image of gold you've set up. So think about that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own. Don't try and figure this one out, man. Don't try and figure it out. In all your ways, We're not going to do this, and he'll direct your paths. I guess the only path through that particular trial was being put into the furnace, which they were, that was heated how many times hotter? Seven times. And even the guys that threw them in, you can read this. It's in the Bible. It's a good read. Even the guys that threw them in, they got burned. And somehow Nebuchadnezzar was able to look into this thing And when he looked in, he didn't see three people. He saw, because God always goes with us through our fiery trials. Here's another one Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1 and 3. To man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and all your plans will succeed. When I was a young pastor, Sam, this was huge for me because at so many points, not only we tasked with speaking the word of God, we're also tasked with trying to hear him in the directions he has for young congregations, right, and for churches. So I wanted God, I wanted his plans, not my own. To man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, that's a daily promise for me. That's a seasonal promise for me. That's a yearly promise for me. Whatever I commit to the Lord, whatever I do, and my plans will happen, what? They'll succeed. Oh. So I'm thinking about Nehemiah. Nehemiah is this cupbearer for King Artaxerxes in present-day Iran. It was in Susa in present-day Iran. Somebody comes back and tells him that the city of his fathers, what's that city? Jerusalem. Is open to all the nations around there. It's unprotected. The walls are busted and the gates have been burned. So the way to take a city down is you get their walls down, obviously, and you burn their gates. And then whatever you want to do with that city, you can do it. So Nehemiah, another great story, chapter one, he fasts and he prays, and several months later, he's there working for the king. He's just hanging on this thing. He's wondering what to do. He fasts and he prays, and the king says, hey, what's wrong with your face? It's, you, you've never been like discouraged in my presence, and that's not necessarily something you want to do if you're working for the king. Why are you so sad? And Nehemiah tells him, hey, the city of my fathers lies in ruins and its gates are burned by fire. King says, what do you want? How many people know when you've prayed about something and you've waited and you're kind of peaked for some direction that when it finally happens, that's the moment everything needs to go right? You know about that? I was, uh, maybe I've told you this story, I apologize, there'll be some here that haven't heard it. But I had begun working bivocationally, uh, and I've done that several times over 35, 40 years of doing pastoral ministry. But this one happened to be at the Clackamas Costco, where I see a bunch of you. Hi, Dave. <laughs> and uh, I love it. Uh, the way to stay in ministry is either stay at a good local church or work at Costco. So... I've kind of chosen both. So I was working, um, stocking over in the hard lines area, which are small appliances and wine and beer and uh, all that kind of stuff, automotive stuff. And I'd been working these 4 a.m. to uh, 11 a.m. shifts for about two, two and a half years. And I felt the holy, and I'd been praying about it and like, Lord, I just... Gosh, this is so tough. It's so difficult staying with 18, 19-year-old kids, and you're working, and you're up early, and you're hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And uh, so I'd been praying about it, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, hey, your manager's going to walk down your aisle here pretty quick. Get ready to talk to him about what's in your heart. And I'm just, I'm just putting up whatever it was off a of pallet, and I hear this, and sure enough, here comes my manager right down there. Oh, there he is. And he's right on there and said, hey, Harold, how are you? Doing good. How are you? I'm fine. Hey, Harold, I don't think you're using me where you should use me. There's probably some things I could do better for the company than stocking shelves right here. And he stops and he says, let me think about that and I'll get back to you. And he walks off. I'm like, thanks, God. It's awesome. Thank you. So he comes back, uh, I don't know, 10 days later, and says, hey, there's an opening uh, for marketing, a cross-training thing for marketing. We have two or three people, each building that market. They go out in the community, and they talk about Costco. I think you'd be good at that. I'm like, I do. I think I'd be good at that, too. So I went up there. They cross-trained me. A few months later, the guy that I was backing up, moving to Phoenix, they interviewed me. I got the job six, six and a half, seven years out there where I'm just representing the company to other places, got to pray with people, saw things happen. It was just amazing. And it, it kind of came from that same kind of moment where when God was there, somehow I sensed it and I committed it to him and he made it happen. So the king says to Nehemiah, what do you want? And this is what Nehemiah says. Then I prayed to the God of the heavens and answered the king. So it's just what we would call just a breath prayer. I had just a breath prayer with my friend Harold coming down the aisle. Nehemiah had just a breath prayer, just a moment, but it was enough. He said, well, if it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so I can rebuild it. If it pleases it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Nehemiah 2. That blows my mind. You've got a situation where a relative, friends, hey Nehemiah, I know you're with the king, but the reality is the city of our forefathers, the walls are down, the gates are burned. Nehemiah feels it. He fasts and prays for some months. He's back in the presence of the king. Here's the moment. From his face you know sometimes that idea of you always got to be up you got to always got to be going for it you always have to have a smile you always have to be just that doesn't always play out so well and the reason it doesn't always play out so well is it's not necessarily honest I want congruence or I want alignment in my heart between what I'm living feeling and what God's saying it's not wrong to have a long face What's difficult is if you resist the encouragement God brings to the long face, right? That whole theology at one point, crazy as it is, a lot of you probably haven't heard it, but some of the older ones of us have, is that you never admit you're sick. You never admit you're having a a down day. You never confess anything that might show weakness. But that's not how the Bible's set up. The Bible's set up so when you are sick, God can heal you. But you have to admit you're sick to get healed. Can I get a witness? When I am discouraged, people around me can say, oh, Reese is kind of discouraged. Maybe I can encourage him. Some of you in this room have done that to me. Hopefully others, we can do it back to you. But that being honest with what's going on in my life... Allows God then to step in and get the glory for lifting me out of it. The glory and the lifter of my head. That's God. So, being honest, and I'm sure that Nehemiah didn't just like kind of put this face on. It's just apparently the king knew him well enough to know hey, something's going on. What's happening? Well, honestly, my city's down. I'm concerned and uh, we need help. And the king's like, what can I do? What do you want? Well, you could send me, and the king says, we're in. So I set a time. That's just amazing to me. One conversation that ends up with the city being safety again. 52 days where they rebuilt those walls and hung the doors. And now the city is a safe city again. Amazing to me. I believe the wisdom and promises and Proverbs that were passed down to women and men generation to generation like that are to be passed down to us also. A number of years ago, Pastor Sam, when we were starting this church in Monterey, we'd it had grown pretty quickly, and we added other staff, and came to paydays, and there wasn't enough money for everything. There was enough money to, as I remember it, pay the administrative assistant, pay the youth pastor, and wasn't that good when they always pay the youth pastor, and pay the associate pastor, but no money to pay me, who was in the lead. And there is a scripture. Proverbs chapter 11, a generous man will prosper, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And I think payday, we were paying weekly at that point, I think payday at that point had to be around the 11th, because somehow that scripture came to me or to the youth guy. Seems like, as I remember, it's a long time ago, but it seems like came in, offerings had been counted and deposited, sheet that comes out, we used to call them encumbered, non-encumbered sheets, so the uh, encumbered funds that had been designated for missions or building or helping people, they were over here. <clears throat> and then you had the normal tithes and offerings that were free to be used for the needs of the church staff, etc. The church council signed off on all these things, but we had the freedom to use the budgetary funds as they needed to be used per the approved budget. So I think it was about the 11th because that was a proverb I had read around that time. And I kind of felt bad. I'm like, I'm not getting a salary. I've got kids and rent and all that stuff. What's going to happen? But these other people need to be paid. And that scripture comes up. A generous man will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And ultimately, I got paid. I don't know if it was, I can't remember. I don't know if it was the next day or the next week or whatever. But when we left that church, after being there nine years, they didn't know us anything. In fact, they blessed us with big bucks as we left and blessed the new guy coming in with big bucks so that we both left and came with God's blessing on our life. And it, it just shows me that God will keep his word if we will follow it. The other people didn't need to see a guy taking a salary when they couldn't get paid. Their needs were as great or greater than mine. They needed to see God meeting their needs, and then they were blessed, and I was blessed as God kept his word here from Proverbs that you refresh others, you yourselves will be what? In fact, let's say that together. If I refresh others, God will refresh me. Let's do that again. If I refresh others, God will refresh me. And that's true at Burger King. That's true at Starbucks. That's true with your grandkids. That's true with your kids. That's true with your co-worker. That's true with People in the church, that's true with people out of the church. If God can bring refreshing to others through you, financially, words of encouragement, time, a listening ear, an appropriate hug, then God will refresh you. I love it. So here's maybe what I would encourage you to follow up in terms of how we get this into our lives. And this comes from the book of Joshua Joshua says it this way, and it's, it's totally true of the entire word of God, but it's also true of the word in Proverbs. Number one, Joshua says, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. So how I read that is I'm going to read it. I'm going to quote it. I'm going to memorize it. How many people know that one of the funnest things you can do is if you have a favorite movie to work one of the statements from your favorite movie into your conversation. Anybody ever do that? I mean, it's not the best. Here's one of my best. So I meet somebody at the counter at Costco, or I meet somebody, and their name is Bob. Any Bobs in the room? Their name is Bob. I'm like, Bob! What about Bob? What about Bob? I'm not a slacker. I'm doing the stuff. I need, I need, I need. Gimme, gimme, gimme. It's from What About Bob. Have you not seen this movie, Sam? Oh. There's two kinds of people in the world. Those that love What About Bob and those that hate it. I love it. Anyway, so it's like, for me, it's like, oh, Bob. I love Bobs. They're great. Or whatever it is, right? You're going to need a bigger boat. Or, so, I know. I know. Did I shoot six shots? So you've got all those. Go ahead. and Anyway, um, so don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Read it and quote it. I think it's better to attempt to quote the Word of God and not quite get it right than to not attempt it. I think it's better to attempt to quote the Word of God into a situation, even if you don't know the reference points. You can go back and find it, right? Google, Siri will give you that. But don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Read it and quote it. Remember, this is, this is Joshua doing that before they even had the Bible like this. He's talking about what they heard from their Sanhedrin meeting. They're talking about what they heard that, were passed, that was passed down verbally to people again and again what kids heard from their parents. Number two, meditate on it how often? I have said this here before. I have found my devotional life has taken another level when I do stuff in the morning and at night. doesn't have to be much, but I now see that when I read the Word or read a devotional, get on my knees and pray before I go to sleep, that it affects my dream life. It affects how I wake up the next morning. Sometimes life isn't as much how you begin something as much as how you end something that then gives way to a new beginning the next day. Number three, so that you might be careful to do everything in it. So all of those Proverbs, all of those things in the Word of God that are incumbent upon a believer, the Holy Spirit knows how to work those things in my life. And just like us grandparents and parents, hey, the shoe... That's going to feel better if you put that other shoe on that other foot. Let me show you how to do that. You use the spoon to put that in your mouth. You don't use your hands to put that in your mouth, right? Remember giving the spoon to your kid the first time? Anybody remember that? And you're trying to get, it was like, yeah, it was like not in the eye, but in the mouth, exactly. I love it. And then the last thing. Maybe there isn't a last one on that, but there is a four. Then you'll be prosperous and successful in everything you do. Thank you. Proverbs wisdom is set up for us to follow it so as folks who know God, we might live disciplined lives. There's this story about a person that is at church and they're sitting in church one day and they're like, "Gosh, what did the what did the pastor talk about last week?" I can't can't remember it. Sam, you and I've done this when we, uh, Pastor Sam, when we say, "So you remember last week?" And everybody's like, "That was a long time ago, bro." Well, are we still in that series on Proverbs? What what's happened? And like, oh, do not they? And and then this guy began to think, "Well, maybe I don't really need church." And he he goes home and he's He's talking to his wife, and it comes up, gosh, do you, do you remember what I made for you for lunch last Saturday? And he's like, no, I don't really remember. And you and I have done this around Christmas time where we're, we're giving a gift or we're getting a gift, and we're trying to remember what we got last year. Did you ever do that, Brad? You're like, what am I? And your wife's like, do you remember what I gave you? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it was that, I'm not helping you, Brad. You're going to have to come up with this on your own. Sometimes I think it's just the sheer fact that we spend time here, even if we don't remember exactly what it was that God's building stuff into us. And the wife says, hey, I've fed you every day for 40 years. You're still here. You're still existing. You need to give that pastor some time. Because the reality is, it's the Word of God that changes us. It's not just hyped sermons or exciting services. It's God working in us. And I can remember some things, like the the time that I didn't take that paycheck in order to help those people, and it was refreshed. But there's a lot of other things that I don't remember that God did in the midst of it, but they're all good. And that's where this is so true that when we're reading it regularly and we're quoting it, hey, Bob, sorry, Uh, when we meditate on it, we get that morning peace, we get that evening peace, that we're trying to do what God has for us to do. He brings, he prospers us, and he makes us successful, not just in a financial area, but in every area of our life. Can you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for the hearts of people that want to do your will, that want to follow you, that want to have the word of God working in their life. Lord, for the young people in this room that are making big decisions about how they're going to spend their time, what's going to attract them, what they're going to read, who they're going to listen to. Lord, I pray that you would bring a proverb a day to them lord bring a proverb today and each day to all of us lord that you would fill us lord like you did the hebrew boys and like you did nehemiah lord with the wisdom we need to be able to face what's in front of us for that day give us today lord our daily bread not only the resources financially lord but the resources from the word of god in jesus name you might be here you might be watching this morning and not have begun a relationship with christ that's the best thing in the world jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother he's the one the bible says was the perfect one that god gave him to live a perfect life, and then he died on this cross for stuff he didn't do. But he's thinking about me, and he's thinking about you, and the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've never begun a relationship with God through Christ Or maybe you have and you've fallen away from that god wants that relationship with you in fact maybe one of the main reasons that you're hearing me today is so that you might come back to christ come back to the home that he has for you in having a right relationship with jesus it said that if we believe in our hearts god raised jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus will be saved from a broken life, from a life of sin, from a life apart from God. If that's you here in the room, if that's you watching, would you just put your hand on your heart and we're gonna pray. If you're coming back to the Lord, just put your hand on your heart If you're beginning a relationship with Him for the first time, maybe a young person, just put it there and pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that You love me and care for me. Thank You for dying for me on an old cross. Forgive my sins, take them all away, wash my mind my memories and my actions from what I've done and what's been done to me. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Give my life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and let me watch daily